Boom, you're back with another edition of Unreal to Real. Folks, I'm going to just be clear with you. I'm going to I'm going to cut cut it straight. Um oftentimes I feel like an alien in this world. I really do. I feel very um different than the majority. And yes, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but um it's an interesting thing. I don't necessarily see a lot of people shining brightly, um, just being beacons of love and light and, and hope and glory and intelligence. Um, often I just see a mob of people standing in line and, and grumbling and mumbling and um, kind of never opening their eyes and, and swiveling their head around to see the world that's uh, blossoming around them. And to me, that's the big thing. My alien eyes look down and I see people just kind of saturated in untruth, um, mostly on their own uh, regard. They do it to themselves. They kind of live a lie. Um, they live a role that they might not necessarily be wanting to live or um, they, they believe in things that um, they know in their heart isn't necessarily true. And Nicola is one of these lighthouses, one of these signal posts to um, people all around her. You can see it with anyone she meets um, and in the children that she raises, that um, she is an information hub. And what she's doing is providing um, just kind of enlightenment to people. And it's cool to watch. And we had a fun time just riffing back and forth. And hope, hopefully you folks at home can get a little insight and a little love from us um, as we conversed, and it was a grand old time. It's Unreal to Real, episode 67 with Nicola. It's Unreal to Real. Ladies and gentlemen, again out in Never Neverland, this is uh, Hans Hollenbeck, your legitimate and loyal host for Unreal to Real, your podcast broadcast. Um, I'm graced and privileged to be sitting again with Nicola Dellinger. Um, we did this once before, a couple weeks ago, and I had some technical issues, and unfortunately we had the greatest conversation ever of all time that will <laughs> never be shown the light of day, um, but hopefully we can repeat that process and get some new insights and new information going for the people out there eagerly listening to this podcast, and I know that there's just throngs, swaths of you out there that are um, waiting in anticipation for our newest podcast to drop, and so here you are, we're gifting you uh, Nicola Dellinger, and thank you for inviting me back again, even though we had some technical issues. Um, I appreciate being here. Good to see you again. Yeah, How I'm excited you? to have a good conversation again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the first one was amazing. We we really, I think we hit all different extremes of the spectrum. Um, we talked about women's rights. We talked about how we first met um, in vibration and consciousness. Um, I would like to delve back into those things again as well, um, but obviously I think we're going to expand onto new horizons this time yeah. I expect that um, but yeah we're we're back here at her place uh, right here in downtown Durango Colorado Pura Vida Healthcare mm -hmm. um, please come check it out it's a wonderful place you're surrounded by wonderful people um, I've had the privilege of meeting several different of your co-workers or co-people co-conspirators yeah, sure. <laughs> co-creators um, and they're all wonderful I've been very welcomed here uh, it feels great the energy in this building is amazing. I would recommend anyone that wants to get their health on to come down here, check it out, um, just kind of get centered again. I think um, that's a big part of our lives that are so commonly overlooked. Um, just having the fundamentals to find happiness in this chaotic world that we're living in, and you really provide that. Can you give us like a little insight of essentially what you do here, um, how you help people out? Just give us 
a, an overview of, of who you are maybe and, and what sure. you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. <laughs> that might take us more than the hour. <laughs> yeah, we're here. we're here. We have all the time. Yeah, so I'm a naturopathic doctor. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's not so much about using natural remedies instead of pharmaceuticals. It's really about exploring what's the underlying cause of whatever the disease or imbalance is and what how do we remove any obstacles to cure that might get in the way. So a big part of naturopathic medicine that we believe in is called the vis medicatrix naturae, which is Latin for the healing power of nature or the inherent ability within any living creature to come back into balance or homeostasis if there aren't external factors holding us back. And so I use the analogy of that Bobo doll. Like, you remember the, the plastic clown that you blew up with the sand in the bottom? Sure. And you would punch it down and it would just pop back up. And it didn't matter how hard you punched it, it would always pop back up. That's how our systems are actually designed is to, you know, face an adversity, face a stressor, an illness, whatever, and th- that we already contain within us the ability to heal and come back into balance. And so what we find is that when we're living outside of the laws of nature, movement, breathing, water, food, air, relationships, um, we can get in the way of our body's ability to bring ourselves back into balance. So that's really my job as a naturopathic doctor is to sit with someone and say, what factors on the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels are playing into what's going on in the imbalance that you're presenting with, be it anxiety or digestive upset or high blood pressure or insomnia or painful periods or whatever it is. You know, what's really going on here? Because we operate, we naturopathic docs operate from a basic assumption that whatever is going on in your body is a brilliant expression of imbalance and something that needs to be tended to. And so your body isn't a haywire set of symptoms that's just malfunctioning and just not functioning properly. It's really a beautifully, intricately, divinely designed system. And when we have an expression of symptoms, that's an indication to check out on a deeper level what's going on. So if your check engine light comes on in your car, you go to the mechanic and they look under the hood and chop the wire that goes to the check engine light, slam the hood, that'll be 500 bucks. You're all, you're taken care of, your symptoms gone. You'd freak out, you know, (laughs) you wouldn't pay because you know what the issue was. The light is just an indication of what's going on in the engine. So our bodies are the same way. So if we can start honoring the wisdom of our body rather than going against it, anti-inflammatories, anti-depressants, anti-hypertensives, anti-anti-anti, really start realizing that when we strike a fever, it's our body's divine way of getting rid of the virus. And that's when you get a 99, 100, 101 fever. If your body's pushing 101, 102, 103, 104, that's a bacterial infection. Your body even knows how high of a fever to push in order to clear that bug from your system. But we often get in the way because it's uncomfortable or inconvenient, or we don't have time to take off, or we have, you know, whatever, whatever it is. We can't have a sick kid, so we give them Tylenol and send them to school. Um, And so naturopathic medicine is really an invitation to look more deeply at this divinely attuned body that we walk around in that is infinitely more valuable than your automobile Um, but we tend to spend less time and money and worry about it less than we do our cars sure yeah it is it's a maintenance issue on a lot of different um, cases i'm sure Mm -hmm. Um, but it's the society that we're living in right now is is one that's attuned towards just addressing these symptoms not addressing the root causes that that you address Mm -hmm. um i think you said it last time that it really resonated with me you're more of a guy. You like to think of yourself as a guy. Yes. Um, the body, the human, e- each customer or each um, patient that comes in to see you, they're their own wellness coach. They're their own best um, medicine, essentially. Yes. Um, and their mind is once once it's corrected is is really the ultimate um, doctor that they that they have in storage in themselves Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said it it contains infinite wisdom so what you do is just really kind of uh, align these people or adjust these people back to that that stasis of being healthy again Um, Mm -hmm. and and hopefully instruct them to 
to continue on being so. Absolutely. And sometimes we do need medicines because yeah. we've fallen kind of far from our divine path, and that's okay. So herbs, homeopathy, nutrition, food, supplements, um, all of these things are important medicines. I do a lot of mind-body medicine to help connect people back because a lot of times when we have a symptom manifesting in our body, there's a sense of betrayal or mistrust. Like my body is not doing what I need it to do. Um, I often hear this one as well when people are getting older, like, oh, this is just, I heard this happens when you turn 40 or this is just because this is just part of the normal aging process. But just because it's typical of our American culture doesn't make it normal. And so kind of moving away into saying, well, maybe that, you know, knee injury that won't heal needs you to consider how you've been using that knee and how you sit and how you move and and what do you do all day. And I have a lot of people who like to work out once a day and then we sit all day at our desks or in our offices and we don't have a lot of movement. And with the advent of modern technology, we can instant message each other or text each other. We don't have to get up and go to the office next door and make a, a more personal connection. So people were really not meant to sit all day long. And so it's like really these small corrections, or maybe there's a food sensitivity, but maybe it's your favorite food, so you don't want to look at it. But really, when I'm sitting down with a new patient, which is a two-hour visit, by the way, just so that there's yeah. plenty of time for one's whole story, or at least as close as we can get in yeah. two hours, um, they will tell me more often than not, what is going on, when this started, what their theory is, and I'm writing down their treatment plan, and I'll spit back to them, hey, this is what I, you know, this is what I think you should do. Wow, that sounds exactly like what I needed. I'm like, right, it's exactly what you told me was required here. You know you're not sleeping enough. You know you're drinking too much coffee. You know you're not, your diet isn't 100%. You know you're not moving your body the right way. Um, But we, we put these things off because we value something else. And that generally is the obstacle to cure. Yeah. What are we valuing outside of ourselves more than what we are requiring and what gets in the way of us saying, you know, like last weekend I went up to Boulder for a training and I've got a dear friend of mine who lives in Lakewood and the past couple of weekends I've been up there for this training, we get together on Saturday night. And Saturday afternoon I texted her and I just said, I'm fried, I'm tired, and I, I just, as much as I love you and want to see you, I've got to take care of me. Yeah. And um, so she didn't come, and then later on this week, she was like, thank you for being an example of how to take care of yourself. I never would have said that, because we don't get to see each other very often, and it, so we put these things to the side of being tired or not being up for it, because this is the opportunity that we've got. But when we can start trusting that everything's unfolding as it should, and that it's in everyone's highest good, that when I say I'm gonna take care of me, that's actually in Rachel's highest good too, because yeah. that's ended up, she was like, I was pooped too, and it was yeah. so great to sleep in my own bed, and you know that's okay. And now she's had an invitation to choose her moving forward, having seen me do that, and I've seen my teachers do that. So we it creates this enormous ripple effect when we start taking care of ourselves differently sure and you know i like to live in every moment i like to try and cherish every moment that we have here on this planet um and i'll often hear people say oh i don't have enough time to exercise i can't find the time to be healthy or eat right you know um I don't have time to cook at home. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stop by McDonald's really quickly. It's on the way home. Mm -hmm. Um, These kind of things are just the most absurd statements I I think that there is because time is really, I mean, we can get really deep into it, but I'll try not to. Um, (laughs) But time's irrelevant unless you make it relevant. And so... When you're when you're healthy, you're you're making more time for yourself anyway. You're going to live mm-hmm. longer if mm-hmm. you're healthy. Um, so all this time that people are putting off, it's going to come back, you know, on the tail end. If they're mm-hmm. not healthy or they're living the last twenty years of their life in a hospital bed, that's time that they don't want to be spending. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so when you think about if you're clear-headed and healthy and and really optimized and living your your best self and doing the things that you want to be doing, um, mm-hmm. every moment is so important. And you you realize the magnitude of, oh, I'm doing what I want to be doing. I'm loving the people that I need to be loving instead of being too tired to right. converse with them or, or kiss them goodnight. Or maybe you're not feeling healthy enough to go take your dog for a walk with your kids. Um, 
because you've worked all day and you're just tired and you, you're malnourished maybe or dehydrated. Um, these are the important facets of your life that will allow you to get that good time. Right. You know, that those important moments that we all dream about, you know, we go to bed and, and say, oh, you know, my honeymoon's coming up or a big day is coming up. Um, if you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to absorb the importance of that big day or that big moment or your marriage or, you know, your mm-hmm. the birth of your, your kid or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so life comes at us fast. It's, it's just this constant barrage of input. And if your mind is just kind of closed off to a lot of this amazing stuff that's happening around you, you're only, you're, you're clinically basically narrowed from half of the fun of life. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. I think we all know what's quote unquote good for us or bad for us and sugar and alcohol and caffeine get in the bad category and kale and quinoa and you know, whatever abstinence gets in the good category, you know. Um, and but it's really it's not about that. It's about finding balance and mm-hmm. and looking at what why are we using the coffee as an example, right? Because right. coffee inherently isn't bad for you. But if you're getting six hours of sleep and need two or three cups just to get your brain online for your day, that's just masking a bigger symptom of fatigue, potential adrenal exhaustion, pushing too hard, not getting enough rest. Um, but if you're waking up and having a breakfast and having a full cup of coffee as you flip through the paper and it's just a ritual that's your time alone or your time to journal or time to sit with your partner and, and share a coffee and wake up together, then that's a totally different animal. But it contains the same caffeine, but it's how our body receives it that's totally different, and that makes all the difference. And so we have to move away from good and bad and come back to how does this feel in my body? I love the taste of a good cup of coffee, but even a decaf, really, it it just does something to my nervous system that doesn't feel good to me. So I still choose it occasionally but i'm choosing it less and less and i'm making a much more mindful choice and i typically have it like mid-morning after i've had a really big breakfast because it tends not to mess with me as much but i also look at my afternoon because i'll get drowsy after a cup of coffee you know two hours after and if i have a big afternoon or i want to be really present with patients i can't have that coffee and have the presence so it's not that i can't have the coffee it's that i i I fully have the choice. And what am I really choosing when I choose that that almond milk latte? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm choosing to have a taste pleasure in a moment, but I'm also choosing to not be as present for the rest of my day, which is a choice I can make as long as I'm making it mindfully, right? right. So again, I think if we can let go of this idea of what's good or bad or gluten is fine or gluten is the devil. It's no. like, it's not about that. It's listening to your body and what might feel amazing in my body might not be a good fit for your body and honoring that. Absolutely right. Um, we are all different people um, living on the same kind of earth, the same shell, um, and the mm-hmm. same platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go deeper into this. I want to ask you a question then. Mm-hmm. Um, in this world that's so what's the word polluted with pharmaceuticals and all these things that we are kind of pumped um, by media or by society uh, pumped into believing um, is good for us like vaccines for instance Mm -hmm. Um, what are what uh, I'm gonna ask your take on vaccines um, because I see this as a very slippery issue Mm -hmm. Um, there's two sides to this story of yes originally vaccines um, in my opinion are for the greater good. The polio vaccine eradicated this terrible disease that was mm-hmm. debilitating hundreds of thousands of people across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been eradicated you know, since the, the polio vaccine came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then industry kind of took over, corporations took over, pharmaceutical companies took over. Now they're creating vaccines for everything. And right. there's now, what, 85 vaccines that your kid has to have or is, is supposed to have before they're four or five years old. Right. Um, to me, there's this line that seems to be being crossed into the danger zone of um, we're allowing these corporations to tell us what we need and to inject in our bodies. Yeah. Yes, I get the science behind, hey, I don't want to be exposed to polio. 
I want to be totally um, defendant against pol polio or any kind of muscular dystrophy or any kind of, you know, terrible illness or disease that might happen to me or my children. Right. Um, but at some point, what becomes a profit monster and what becomes something that I don't need in my body that I'm being forced to put into my body? Right. Um, can you give us your take on this yeah. issue. I know it's kind of a slippery slope. But. I mean, I think it is, but it isn't. I, think, I mean, it goes back to what we were just talking about is nothing is in the good or bad category. And so what I tell new parents is that you've got to look objectively at the risks of the vaccine and the wor you know, worst case scenario and yeah. the worst case scenario of not having the vaccine. And which one can you live with? Right. And that's kind of the simple story, and I'll, I'll deepen into that a little bit. Because you're right, I mean, vaccines have prevented a lot of really debilitating illnesses. And we're blessed in the States to not have polio. It's just there, there's no exposure there. Yeah. So my son, who's nine, does not have a polio vaccine. If we were to go to India, we he would be getting one right. before we go. But there's other factors here. You know, what's the exposure? Um, how old is he? So most kids are receiving their vaccines before one year of age. Well, the immune system doesn't have memory cells before a year of age. And it's just, the immune system is just immature in yeah. that way. And that's why you need to give the same vaccine three and four times um, is for a few okay. reasons. One is that they don't have any memory cells. So you're immunizing this kid for something it's not going to remember the vaccine for. So you have to keep on boosting them back up. Right. Um, two, they're often getting upwards of 16 or 20 vaccines in a visit because they'll get three, four, or five shots because it's the well baby visit. This is what public health has said. You need to come in at you know, two, six weeks and yeah. three months and whatever the schedule is. Um, so rather than looking at the science behind what makes the vaccines most effective, from a public health point of view, they wanted to link them to well child visits because a new mom is more likely to come in for a new ch a well child visit because that's being a good mom sure. rather than come in for a well child visit and two weeks later come in for the vaccine and three weeks later come in for a different vaccine and then come back in for a well child. So they've just smushed the vaccine schedule to make it convenient. And in all fairness, um, in a broad socioeconomic perspective, you know, access to healthcare is hard. And so even just getting to the doctor is difficult, paying the insurance or, or having coverage, um, taking time off work so that you can take your kid in yeah. for six visits rather than two visits. So I think we have to understand the more global perspective of how this got to be this situation. Sure. However, if you are from have a wider perspective, you can realize, hey, there's a way, if I do want to do a vaccine schedule, there's a way to do it that will cause far less harm and isn't pharmaceutical driven. The flu vaccine is garbage. I'll just put that out there. They're yeah. using last year's virus. If anybody knows anything about viruses, they mutate really, really quickly. Sure. Um, that's part of why hepatitis and HIV and the flu and colds are still around. And just because you got a cold last Last year is not going to do a damn thing for you next year right. because the virus mutates so quickly. So these flu vaccines have not been proven in the research, at least, to have much of an effect. And there's a decent amount of people that are actually getting flu-like symptoms from the vaccine itself because it's not it's attenuated, which means it's not dead. It's still alive sure. when you get that vaccine. So. Um, and whether or not did you have one kid at home who's not exposed to daycare and older siblings, or is this your second or third kid that has an older sibling in kindergarten that's bringing home all those germs yeah. to the newborn. So we have to really, this is individual too. And so again, public health doesn't take into concern the individual because their job is to cover as many people as possible. Right. Um, but there are a lot of options for people with a vaccine schedule. When my child was three, he went over the handlebars on his bike and got a really big cut over his lip and needed nine stitches. It wasn't even a thought in my mind whether or not he was going to get his first tetanus shot that day yeah. because there's no cure for tetanus. Once it, set, it sets in, he dies. Yeah. It was like super easy for me yeah. to make that choice. It's worth the risk. It was, it yeah. was, and that's just it. You constantly have to do your risk-benefit analysis. But chickenpox you know, vaccine, um, I don't really get why we're doing that. Um, flu vaccine... Uh, the HPV vaccine hasn't been proven safe on the kids this young because it's 
um, unethical to do testing on people under the age of 18 because they can't give informed consent. But it doesn't mean, so they've just skipped that piece of it and they're injecting our young teenage, especially girls, um, with this HPV vaccine right. without really understanding what it's doing to them. Plus, you know, there's a whole pharmaceutical thing where they use the cheapest ingredients, they add egg-based stuff, so I have a lot of people that end up with an egg allergy after a vaccine oh, wow. um, uh, schedule. You know, even as adults, they get a booster for their hep B and all of a sudden they can't tolerate eggs anymore. It's because there's albumin in the vaccine oh. and it can cause a sensitivity. Um, the mercury question's a big one. And then why can't we get single vaccines? Um, why do we have to get them all lumped together? Sure. So. Again, if you think about the actual immune system, when we give a vaccine, there's immunoglobulins or proteins that come from our immune system that react to that vaccine and make immune proteins to remember it in the future. If you're giving one vaccine, like let's say um, like measles, um, if you're doing measles, mumps, and rubella, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus, and chickenpox now and hepatitis B, they're doing hepatitis B at birth now. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yep. What baby is going to be exposed to, right. you know, dirty syringes? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, because that's the primary mode of transmission. Where, so this is probably more of a pharmaceutical-driven issue, right? Yeah. But if you've given a kid, let's just say, those nine vaccines all at once, they don't have enough proteins to mount a really big immune response because they only have so many immune proteins to respond. Sure. So it would be more effective for each of those vaccines if just one or maybe like two of those vaccines were given together rather than nine of them at the same time. That's part of the reason we require three and four you know, um, shots of the same right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny to me that there's some things that, I mean, we touched upon it earlier. Our body is this amazing device that can respond and react to, you know, many different stimuluses. Mm-hmm. Um, so the threat of bacteria or, or, or such can actually affect our body. Um, so our body will develop a natural immune system to these things. Um, but when we have a vaccine, we're removing that defense mechanism that our own body is going to create anyway. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. so unfortunately a lot of these cases, you're actually weakening the body to a particular disease like chickenpox, for instance, is a great one. Yeah. Um, where I remember having chickenpox as a kid, I never got the vaccine, you know, I think I got it later in my 20s or something, but I had it mm-hmm. as a kid, never got it again because my body said, oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to, I'm going to develop this immunity right. to it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I was fine the rest of my life. Yeah. Know? And what they're finding now is that kids that have been inoculated with the varicella or the chickenpox vaccine are actually now, they don't, it's lasting about 15 to 20 years. So now we have a whole bunch of kids that never got chickenpox in their childhood and now they're susceptible to the much more serious, sure. but that ensures another vaccine and another yeah. vaccine. Yeah. My kiddo has not been vaccinated for that. We are trying like the Dickens to get him some chicken pox. Yeah. Um, you know, he was sharing a lollipop with a kid that had pox all over his <laughs> face, you know, like let's, let's get this happening. Um, and he didn't, he didn't get it. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned, you know, yeah. like I really want him to get it before he leaves high school, but it's hard to find these days. Sure. And it's a dangerous um, kind of landscape out there for many people. Uh, obviously, you're specialized in a lot of these things that we're talking about right now. But, you know, someone who's been studying to be an accountant their whole life hasn't really directed a lot of their focus onto health or sure. onto these vaccination problems and questions yeah. that mm-hmm. are arising. Um, so they will uh, defer to people like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, there are people that are honest and in looking out for the well-being of of people in general you you don't have an agenda you're trying to just make people better and and it's an invitation again back to the self and that's ultimately my job is to connect people back into what they know to be true what the worst thing in the world for me to hear is that i you know is a young mom saying i knew i shouldn't have given the tylenol or i knew i shouldn't have vaccinated that day that she had a runny nose um, I just knew, but there's so much pressure and fear that comes in from the medical establishment, from your family of origin, from the other moms and mom group, but you know, from all these places that it really takes away the inherent wisdom or the trust in the inherent wisdom. It doesn't actually take away the wisdom. Yeah. It just makes it harder or more challenging for us to choose to listen to that knowing of, you know what, I knew this was going to be okay um, because we were 
we're a fear-based culture. And so it's really, I think, important to be in connection with yourself so you realize why you're actually making the choice that you're making. When I chose to get my son a tetanus booster, it was completely and utterly fear-based. Like, I don't want him to die. Yeah. He will be getting this vaccine. Yes. And, you know, but I was very much in touch with why I was making that choice. And I guess that would be the invitation I have, you know, certainly not just around vaccines, but anything, but like, are you connected in to why you're making this choice? And if you aren't, spend some time really sorting through the thoughts, the beliefs, and the emotions that are influencing this choice, especially big choices that can't necessarily be pulled back. Right. And, and you go from there, go yeah. from that place. Yeah. yeah, these are life or death situations, really. I mean, um, you can inject yourself with a vaccine that will permanently change you. Um, potentially potentially Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, you know or you can choose not to get a vaccine and that would permanently change you as well if you're exposed to you know a vicious virus or something like that yeah yeah um so it is it's a very shaky very tough um every day you know we're faced with a lot of decisions and And it's not just vaccines it's medications you know statins which are the cholesterol lowering medication you know there's been a lot of brainwashing around statins that your risk of spontaneous death is so much higher if your cholesterol is high and you're not on a statin but the research is really conflicting on that Um, so i mean we have to really know what we're choosing and why we're choosing it and understand that there's always options there's always yeah. choices and there's always consequences and a, you know a natural response to any choice um, but I think that you nailed it um, it is it comes down to self and if you kind of lead with your heart and you close your eyes for a minute and say what is what is the right choice here mm-hmm. you know is climate change real or is it not <laughs> right. hmm let me think Go there's inside. 90% 97% of all scientists believe that it's real i look outside it seems to be getting warmer and it seems there's these temperate modes that are fluctuating at a higher level than when i was a kid i can see it you know mm-hmm. and i see um, the effects of you know, flooding and stuff in New Orleans and in Miami. Um, these Midwest. things seem real to me. And when I close my eyes and kind of follow my heart, I think, okay, there is this human kind of pollution that's happening. There's this corruption that's, you know, we're, we're making all this trash and polluting the oceans and um, making combustible combustible components that are going out into the atmosphere. There's going to be a response to that the earth's natural <laughs> natural response and mm-hmm. the earth in itself is a biological machine it's, yes it's its own Skaya. entity mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's um it's committing it's generating its own vibration mm-hmm. um the schumann resonance you know, resonance is a real thing the right. earth is now telling us hey look i'm not healthy right now mm-hmm. um i'm showing you here's my symptoms you know the glaciers are melting and it's getting hotter and there's droughts. These are symptoms exactly. of a problem. Yes. Um, and it's a microcosm of what we're talking about right here with mm-hmm. our bodies. If there's a symptom, you're not feeling well, you're not sleeping right, you're having this weird uh, lethargic feeling every day, that means that your body is telling you, it's signaling to you that there's something wrong. Right, right. And, and the earth to us is signaling us that, hey, we need to change what we're doing. Right. And and there's a group of people that are listening and there's a group of people that are ignoring this. Yes. And just as in every day, there's a group of people that listen to their own bodies and listen to, um, you know, they'll eat something and analyze, how do I feel after I eat massive amounts of sugar or massive amounts of carbs? How do I feel? Do I feel slower? Probably so. Mm-hmm. You're going to slow down. Um, how do you analyze these things? It's by taking a moment and, and just feeling what is right and what is wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. you said there is no right and wrong, but what is unbalanced and what is not balanced? Right. What's what's right for your body in this 10 seconds? Right. You know, because the way that I exercise my body is different today than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll be 20 years into the future. Sure. And honestly, it changes with the seasons. Um, and then it changed since last year just because I didn't feel like doing that gym anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and honoring that, that too. like right now, you know, and, and the gym that I go to is on the corner. So I'm always like, oh, I feel so bad. But it's that shame, right, that mm-hmm. that drives us to go back. 
And, and I know in my body that right now is not the time for me to be at that gym right now. The gym was awesome. The community's awesome. Everything was great about it. It just, in this moment, it's not what I wanted. Last year when I was doing it, it's all that I wanted. It was awesome. It was, yeah. you know, so that's, but it's that shame and that fear of what are they going to think if I bail out? What are, you know, I'm ashamed that I'm choosing something else because they're choosing this. Um, you know, we ha- we make up all sorts of stories, right? Or mm-hmm. we just plow through, like, this is always how I've worked out and I'm not even going to think about it. You know, my body's hurting. I'm going to take some leave and keep working out this yeah. way. Yeah. And so it, the body is an invitation back every single time. Yeah. Um, and it's okay. Like, there's no, again, I don't think there's right or wrong. Like, if you're having the pot of coffee to get going in the morning or the leave so you can sleep at night so that your knee doesn't bother you, those aren't wrong choices, but what are you really choosing? Right. Are you masking or are you trying to cure what's really ailing? Yeah, I mean, is it more towards more suffering or in the direction of the ending of suffering? Yeah. You well, know, if you're going to keep on popping vitamin I, it's probably going to lead to more suffering, you mm-hmm. know, where, and then that vitamin I, the ibuprofen, is not going to be available to you in the future because now you've got a stomach ulcer or your liver's compromised or your, your, um, developed tolerance to it and so this tool that's absolutely a tool is no longer available to you sure and so now we need bigger guns and now we move more and more and more out of balance sure and what it comes down to i think is that a lot of people haven't had the ability or learned the ability to accept change sure um you know I'm, i'm not feeling good but i really like this habit or this regimen that I've been on in my life I don't want to change anything but mm-hmm. I expect different results right. you know and and that's just it's insane mm-hmm. um, and when you kind of become pure and in touch with yourself you realize wow change is really the this motivating force that, that can create all these amazing new ventures and, and new lifestyles for me mm-hmm. um, when I accept change hey look maybe I need to get out and work out or I need to go out in nature. It's a change from something I'm not used to. Yeah, it might feel a little bit awkward or you're out of your element a little bit. But once you start getting into these things, and like I said, once once again, if you you lead, your heart's telling you. You have a path to go on. You know the path. Um, Are you going to be strong enough to stand up and and start walking that path or not right right. and and a lot of people just don't want to accept that change Mm -hmm. they're they're refusing this blaring signal that's coming in whether it's internally in their body or externally there's someone yelling at them at their work or you know there's a relationship that's not working out Mm -hmm. these are blaring signals like hey maybe you need to change your life up a little bit right Mm -hmm. and when you just put your head down and stick to the same old path that you've been doing for the last 20 years, you're going to get the same results. Right. You know, yeah. and it's just as simple as that. Um, and it's unfortunate that they don't teach these things in schools. They don't have no. people like you coming in to the classrooms and saying, hey, look, fundamentals are what we need to start with. Right. You know, it's immediately we jump over, at least for me in school, they, they jumped over, hey, how do you take care of your body and your mind? Um, spirituality is a big thing totally never even mentioned in school to me right. um, you know obviously I'll have to edit that out um, <laughs> obviously you know all these different kind of health concerns and mental concerns can be addressed at very young ages right. and we're skipping right over that just to get into history class and right. um, so we can be given information that we can regurgitate on, back to, on tests mm-hmm. um, when in fact the, the most important thing to me I think is being very centered and very um, pure with your own self so that you can absorb all this information so you know what you want to do your directive mm-hmm. is kind of open now yeah. You're like, oh, I know who I want to be. I know what I want to be. Right. I know who the person is that I want to become. Mm-hmm. And I, I know how to impact people mm-hmm. that are around me mm-hmm. in, in healthy, positive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, it's it's the opposite. It's We're, we're taught to be competitive. We're taught to be um, absorbing this information just so we can regurgitate it. We're not clinically or critically thinking about this information. Right. How does this information actually apply to me? How does this... Is it, is it factual? Right. You know, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Or do I just need to recite this back and then 
get an A on my test? Is that the most important thing? Right, and, and we're taught that it is. It is, mm-hmm. and that's and that's in our society, especially American society, that's all that matters. It's mm-hmm. almost uh, teaching our kids to be robotic in many ways, right? Which is such a sad, sad thing. But I think that people like you are leading this charge of this spiritual awakening and this enlightenment of yeah. like, hey, look, there's this world out there that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mother Nature is amazing. Our bodies the bio, biology of our bodies is absolutely astounding it's the most incredible thing ever mm-hmm. why don't we look at these things first and you said we have this it's we have this well of untapped energy and information that's inside of all of us yeah. that's infinite that's been passed down generation after generation after generation that's just lying latent in, in there right now ready to be exposed you know mm-hmm. and when you start meditating when you start eating healthy and taking the right nutrients and supplements and surrounding yourself with wonderful, beautiful people and and doing good, Mm -hmm. then things start to explode out of you. You're like, wow, this information is real. Mm -hmm. This, you know, there's this mysticism to the world that's now unveiled to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is this kind of group of people that are emerging out of this mud of our society, you know, and, and the group of people are saying, Hey, look, all these things that we're talking about that, that used to be called hippy dippy kind of bullshit, you know, um, this mystical love thy neighbor and give each other hugs. There's a, there's an energy that's transferred there of love, you know, 20 years ago, people would be like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But now there's, it's in every conversation. We're talking about enlightenment. We're talking about vibration. We're talking about how we impact each other. We're all kind of a network where this neurological brain almost, it's on the, the shell of the world that we're all just transferring this energy and this information back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like neurons firing. I can see it. Yeah. And when, when you're a pure kind of um, synaptic uh output and I'm a pure synaptic output then the energy and the information that we're transferring is going to be quick it's going to be exciting it's going to be pure we're going to make podcasts we're going to make videos we're going <laughs> to we're going to teach for, people yeah. how to become the, their best selves mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about and I applaud you for doing what you do you you've made a career of it um you've you've set your focus on it from you you graduated from brown university mm-hmm. university university <laughs> anniversary and uh-huh. university yeah, combined um, <laughs> but you know you've you've had this intention set for a long long time and I think that's really it's such a great thing to see um, and it's a great thing when I see you with clients or see you talking to other people that it's it's a natural occurring thing for you to try and express this information that you know and this knowledge and you're giving this knowledge that you know um, to people just to make the, the society and the community community around you just better and it's so important and and thank you yeah well i mean it's really i mean it's my honor and and what's interesting is that the the deeper i go onto my own path then the more i have to offer somebody else but i Mm -hmm. do want whoever's listening to know that it's not always comfortable Um, more often than not it's uncomfortable (laughs) to sit with the spectrum of your emotions, your fears, your judgments, your shame, your family values, um, these are all things that we really try hard to not pay any attention to, that we're actively looking to numb out. And we can numb through chocolate or alcohol or cannabis or Netflix or whatever. I mean, there's so many different ways that we try to numb out. And I really noticed this this past spring when I was running the Durango Detox that I do every year. And this year, what I really got out of it was that I don't actually have cravings. Like, oh, like I really want a piece of chocolate. I have impulses. Mm-hmm. And if I, because this that was my goal of this detox, I've done a bunch of them, mm-hmm. which was to pay attention to what was actually happening in my body. And the only times I craved a piece of chocolate or a potato chip or a glass of wine was when I was experiencing some sort of discomfort emotionally. And it was pretty subtle and pretty mild. It was like um, my energy dropped at the end of the day, so I looked for a piece of chocolate or I'd had something stressful going on, but not like over the top. So I was, I, my inclination was to have a glass of wine. Um, but it was interesting to notice that they were all emotional impulses, or actually they were emotions, and these impulses were to mitigate the suffering 
that my mind was perceiving that was coming out of the emotions I was experiencing. Uh And so when I got in touch with that, I was like, oh, I'm very rarely choosing those things because I really love a glass of, you know, Argentinian wine or right. whatever. Yeah. It's it's not normally about that for me. And now that I'm aware of that, I make my choices really, really differently. And sometimes I still choose it because, you know what, it's been a hard day and I'm just going to have a drink and that's going to be that. But, it's, but I know that that's what I'm doing. I know that I'm choosing to numb out. And so I think that my invitation to everyone who's listening would be to look at your habits and patterns and and use that as a cue into your own deeper world. It doesn't mean you need to go to the nth degree into the deepest, darkest places right out of the gate, but look at the habits and patterns that you're in and what you might be avoiding by choosing this path rather than just sitting for maybe five minutes with, wow, today was really hard. I had this really difficult conversation with somebody and it made me feel less than. And it made me question if I was good enough. And I was kind of reactive and I hate when that part of me comes out because that's not a very nice part of me and I like to pretend like that part doesn't exist but sometimes she takes over. Um, But like really honoring like, ooh, that, that hurt today or that was hard or I'm embarrassed of that. Shame is a very slippery emotion to be with and most of us will go to great lengths to not feel into that sure. at all. P.S. We all carry shame a lot of the time on right. some level. So if you're someone who experiences shame and works really hard at pushing that away, I just want you to know you're not alone. You're just human. Sure. Um, so we all have things. And and there's a big difference between guilt and shame. And this comes from Brene Brown's work, which is amazing. Um, but guilt is when we've done something to someone else and we feel bad about that act. Shame is when we feel like we've done something wrong because of who we are as a person. And so there's a really big difference there. So guilt is easier because we can apologize, we can make up for it, we can do something. Shame is harder because it's more of a reflection of how we perceive ourselves. Right. And so it's, it makes it a lot less attractive to yeah. spend any time with. Yeah. Um, but these are the places that we get to go and the things that grieve us or hurt us or that we're afraid of or ashamed of, we get to kind of hold in our hand and look at and then bring closer into our heart. The vast majority of people that I sit with are working their tails off, running from it, pushing it away, ignoring it, managing it. You know, numbing it, doing something to make it outside of themselves or get rid of that part of us that feels that way. And that creates a lot of internal tension, which manifests as gastrointestinal upset, blood pressure, depression, anxiety, insomnia, hormone imbalance, you name it. Um, That's how your body is going to express this tension that's being created, you know, in your mind. Well, don't don't underestimate the power of fear and shame and guilt and stress on your your natural body and your physical body and yeah. physical body mm-hmm. um, because it, it is these are very very real um, components of uh, of us breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see someone with, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that have um, hair that have just gone gray or white um, in the last five to ten years mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I look at their job and I'm like, man, I can just tell that you're absolutely stressed out to the core. Yeah. And it's it's reflected in your appearance. Your mm-hmm. hair is getting gray and mm-hmm. you're getting wrinkles and you, you're looking older mm-hmm. because you're, it, 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 you haven't learned that trick of um, choosing to be different than your mind. Right. Your mind in itself is a tool, but it's right. not who you are. Right. And obviously it's our operating system. So our mind is, is the general it's the one telling the troops where to go for this and that and and it's hard to be a objective observer to the mind Mm -hmm. but that is the trick is when you can say look my mind is just it's a source of this information it's not exactly who i am Um, obviously everything i feel and everything that i do is filtered through my mind so it's hard to disattach from that sure Mm -hmm. but when you can then you look at guilt and you look at shame and you look at anxiety on in in all their different realms on a different plane you're looking mm-hmm. at them as an objective observer and saying look this is fear that i'm feeling right now mm-hmm. you know this is um, guilt that i'm feeling right now mm-hmm. 
don't let myself be absorbed into this. Sure. I need to disattach and look at it as a, a clinical psychologist would, mm-hmm. you know? Um, hey, this is, uh, from what from what you're telling me, I can create a solution now instead of being part of the problem inherently in itself. Right, right. absolutely. And understanding when the mind kind of goes into overdrive, it's because the mind's trying to protect you from perceived suffering. Yes. Like it's like the mind thinks that the heart is like, just causes you hurt. So it's gonna keep you really busy or get really critical or really right. judgy but it'll move really, really fast. And so if you can actually appreciate your inner critic or your judger or your manager as as a part of you that's actually just trying to protect you from feeling into this because it makes you cry or it it does feel uncomfortable, you can really say, hey, thanks for trying to protect me, but it's okay to go here. It's not dangerous. And that will change not just your physical health, but your whole way of showing up in the world because now we don't shut down our kids. Uh-huh. Because we don't feel that when they come up and they get all <laughs> agitated, and if any of you have kids, you know what this is like. If you've been in the grocery store this week, you've sure. seen it. Um, they're they're not so emotionally regulated. They're much more open emotionally, and we can just let them have that experience and not make them wrong for it. Um, and it doesn't mean we don't discipline or guide or corral. Um, we do, but it it doesn't have to come from a shame based place of you're wrong because you shouldn't feel so emotional about this thing it's not a big deal and it's like well it's obviously a big deal to him yeah so why don't i just honor that it's a big deal to him and then teach him how to move through it or what some solutions are but first i'm teaching him how to be with it yeah like yeah that's that's really hard sure you know yeah accepting that um is different than being disattaching i think all of our brains are kind of schizophrenic in some form or another there's Mm -hmm. these thoughts that are arriving on a constant basis that aren't generated by me you know these thoughts are random I'm not like hey I'm gonna try and think about this Mm -hmm. they just occur yep and um when you're at peace with your with your mind and when you're in train like it's really a training regimen of Mm -hmm. training your mind to be able to accept these things and let them pass yep instead of accepting them and just having them become your world now. right yeah and that's it's really a training regimen and what what you offer here is getting that clarity um being able to train your mind and right. train your these emotions mm-hmm. and i'm not saying dismiss them no but, but, but you're aware of them aware it's like taking them. a weather getting a weather report it doesn't exactly. mean you're not going to go out today but it might right. mean you prepare differently like you bring a rain jacket or you bring layers or yes. you wear shorts because you know what to you you just you're in touch with the temperature and so it's your internal temperature um this might be a little bit of a vulnerable overshare here but (laughs) to get just to point it out a that even as a practitioner i do not have this all sussed out this is something i'm working on in my everyday life so i can give you an example from yesterday um my son um i don't uh, i've separated from his father and we've been apart for five years and um and when my son comes back from his dad's house he's generally really upset and disappointed that he's not with his dad anymore and so what i've noticed is that triggers in me this feeling of not being loved or not being good enough and so i ask him kind of messed up questions like and put him in this weird place of like oh aren't you happy to be home though or like didn't you miss me at all and and I'm like ugh, like I can feel it in my body when it comes out like that is not how I want to show up for him it's not how I want to show up for me Um, and so yesterday when he came home and he was kind of down about being home I just said it's really hard to not have your dad today huh and he's like it really is and I was like yeah I get that I get that it would be hard and then he 180 all on his own within 15 minutes of coming home and we were good to go and then I was like okay so it's not that my son doesn't love me but it's when he shows up in his state of affairs if I'm not in my center and in an awareness of what it brings up for me then I put that on him here nine-year-old you hold this you know can you make me feel better and then he feels all messed up like he's betrayed me and he shouldn't miss his dad and like it's a messed up situation for a kid to have to deal with parents in two different homes. It's not going to get better for him. It's going to suck every day yeah. that he doesn't have his family intact. It just is. And so if I can accept that and not let that t- 
touch into my wounds or notice where it does touch in, now I can take care of that rather than putting that on my kiddo. Sure. Um, so I share that because it's we're doing this to each other all the time, uh-huh. you know, and we're caretaking each other all the time. And it's exhausting and it's not effective and it creates more shame and more ick and... Um, and it causes health issues. And it's a subconscious kind of plague. Like we, unless you're on it, unless and you unless you can recognize it and say, "Oh wow, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing," then yeah, you're gonna lead your, you and your son or any mm-hmm. significant other yeah. um, down this. And we were talking about time. Mm-hmm. Now you're on a path of like now we're in this weird, awkward state of like I don't really want to talk to him or you know right. like, there, yeah. there's almost this this barrier put up now like okay now this is awkward instead right. of having that truth just be known and, mm-hmm. and being aware of your your feelings on the inside I had the same thing happen to me the other day I went golfing with my wife and we were playing against my dad and his wife and um, my dad and I are inherently competitive against each other uh-huh. and so my wife's just a brand new golfer she's a beginner and you know, we're we're on like the second or third hole, and she just makes this terrible shot, and, <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't believe it. We needed that shot, you know. And she kind of just looked at me and was like, "Aren't we supposed to be having fun, you know?" And then it just snapped, like, absolutely right. It's not a competitive thing. And once I recognized, oh wait, I'm kind of being an ass. I was just kind of being an asshole right yeah. there a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, then I just was like, "You're right. We are supposed to be having fun." I take it all back. I'm sorry. And then. We ended up winning the game anyway. <laughs> um, but it's right. it, the whole rest of, you know, when when I wasn't letting my subconscious kind of override and be like, you need to be competitive right now and you need to really bring the hammer down. And instead just like, wait a minute, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in charge of my own mind and I'm going to, you're absolutely right. We are supposed to be happy right now. So I shifted to that positive gear and just said, Look at look at my surroundings. Look at the people that I love that I'm with. I'm golfing. I'm healthy enough to swing a golf club and have fun out here. And the birds are chirping. The sun is shining. Yeah. You know, with your whole family. Day. I'm with yeah. my family. These are the moments that I live for. You know, mm-hmm. this is what I want right now. Mm-hmm. It's not. Who cares if she makes a bad shot? Who cares if she's even hits it at all? Right. It, th- that's not important. Right. Yeah. And the important things are, you know, like what you said to your son, oh, you know what? It is tough for you. I see that it's tough for you not being with your dad. It has no connection. That has no connection with me. It has no bearing on my relationship with him at all. It just means that he's sad that he doesn't have his dad today. And when you are allowing that to kind of filter in and and negatively affect you Mm -hmm. without being cognizantly aware of it, and then when you are aware of it, you can shift it off and say, oh, and then everything just kind of yeah. Once I'm taking out. care of my yeah. stuff, then I can really help him take care of his stuff. Yes. But if I'm not taking care of my stuff, then it's it's just out there. Yeah. And I really, and I think most of our tendencies are to, especially in our romantic relationships, is like, this is this part of me that I don't like and I won't love. Will you love it? And then I'll take your messed up dysfunctional right. part and, and I'll love that. Right. And, and then that becomes the basis of relationship. And then years unfold or months and then we wonder why we resent each other. It's like, yeah. well, I'm the same person I was when you married me. And it's like, I know, but rah, I'm tired of dealing with this. And it's like, well, but you weren't at first. You were happy to put it on your back, right. you know. But we, this is all this invitation to show up and look at your own shit. Yeah. Because um, we all carry it. We're, every single one of us humans has these beautiful neurotic tendencies. Then we all <laughs> carry them. It doesn't matter how great our social media profile is or how happy and buoyant we look. Look at the farmer's market and you know like none of like we all have our moments we all have our shadow sides and if we start outing ourselves which is part of the reason i told that story i'm like oh don't tell that story you know i don't know how many thousands of people are going to hear that story and it's like wait a minute but that's part of my truth and i'm mm-hmm. guessing that someone who's listening can relate to that on some level so if i out myself that it gives you permission to tell this golfing story about your wife and then whoever's listening sure. permission to like hey this is what happened or hey okay. last night when we were bickering over chicken or steak for dinner what was really coming up was this you know yeah well what we have to remember is that this is a practice oh this my gosh. life is uh, we're not it's 
it's unmasterable. Right. You're not going to be able to conquer the game. Mm-hmm. You just get better and better at being yourself and right. finding yourself. Right. And really, you know, until you love yourself, you're not going to find a relationship that, that's super fulfilling. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are lonely and desperate and, you know, needy and kind of just sad maybe. And mm-hmm. um, they, they have this false idea that it's just because they haven't found someone else to bring all this you right. know, I haven't found the the, the perfect man yet. Right. Or, you know, I'm looking for this guy that's six foot four and you dark me. skin. And he, he's going to come <laughs> into my life riding a white horse and bring me a bouquet of flowers. And my mm. life's absolutely going to change from that moment. Because pretty he's woman has really me. messed people up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty. How dare you, pretty woman? That should be illegal. That's all your fault, Cinderella. Let's take that off the shelves. The, the whole world of relationships is going to be much better from it. But yes, that's the. It's this um, subliminal kind of ideology that we have that it's going to take s- some external force for us to be happy with right. ourselves. If we make enough yeah. money, you know, two years from now I'm going to be a millionaire. Finally I'll be happy. Right. Or I'll meet the man of my dreams and I'll, I'll be happy. Or the woman of my dreams, I'll mm-hmm. finally be happy. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll finally get that sports car and right. I'll be the cool guy on right. the block. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted this. Yeah. But the thing that they're missing is that the happiness is right here, right now, right. with you. It's always been. Right. It's never gone anywhere else. You don't need anything else. Yeah. You can be absolutely as happy right now by yourself as you mm-hmm. can with a million hot guys and a million dollars. Right, yeah. You know, and that's the the thing that has kind of corroded this integrity is this idea of mm-hmm. there's something else that I need. And it's not it's not that's right. the that's a falsity right. everything you need is right here yeah. it's in your mind it's in your heart yeah it's in how you produce every breath and all of that external stuff be it material items or accolades that come from somebody else or whatever all of that is going to be temporary the and it won't it'll fill you up for five minutes or maybe a couple of days but then we start looking for the next hit you know and until we are willing to go inside and and tell yourself that you're good enough because of who you are and that you're inherently lovable and valuable and and priority number one until you're willing to do that for you nothing else can fill that hole it just can't Amen. Yeah. And you know what? It's been another wild ride. We're already, we're we're over. We're perfect time. Um, But it's so much fun. It feels like it's five minutes when it's an hour when I'm talking to you. Um, But I applaud you. I am graced by your presence. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all the information that you've shared with with all of us. Um, We appreciate it. I'm speaking for, you know, the throngs of people out there um, (laughs) that are nameless and faceless to us, but Mm -hmm. they're there. And, uh, I just feel grateful. I feel grateful for people like you that are out there that are um, kind of bearing the light. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of darkness in this world, mm-hmm. um, but it can be illuminated. Yeah. And when people start waking up to their own selves, the greatness, everyone is a genius. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, some people are geniuses on how not to behave. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're showing us, like, don't do crack cocaine. Don't, mm-hmm. you know drink and drive don't be uh, an abusive person um it's only going to negatively compound on you and it's going to hurt you and Mm -hmm. you're really the only one hurting yourself when you Mm -hmm. do all these things it compounds back on you right i do believe in this great karmic and energy and entity um and that what you put out is what you get back in right and if you're putting out negativity and uh, corruption and that's what you're going to feel on the inside but if you're putting out love and and compassion and positivity then you're gonna every day you're gonna wake up and the birds are gonna be singing and the sun's gonna be shining on you and people are gonna love you and you're gonna feel warm and giddy and happy and just alive well and that's i mean that's how we met right is you were doing your thing i was doing my thing we were in the grocery store (laughs) and but because i'm you were doing your thing and i'm interested in what you were doing that's how we synchronistically met you know and i think that's what we get to play with more is that if i'm actually just doing my thing what stuff comes into my world i mean again i was in there getting groceries i don't know i'm assuming you were doing the same thing and we ended up connecting because of a connection you already had with your friend that i overheard um and busted into (laughs) but there was no there's no fear in that right there's 
Yeah. Everything, all the bad stuff's removed when right. you're in your element and I'm in my element. Right. Then everything becomes natural and everything is fluid. Right. Yeah. And you came, she came up to me in the middle of the store and was like, hey, I heard, you know, like, I, I would love to be on your podcast. I was inviting my friend to be on my, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And you just interjected as I would want you to a million <laughs> times. It was great. Um, I never felt offended or insulted mm-hmm. in any way. I was, I was overjoyed. I was kind of yeah. blown away by this lady that came up and was energetic and like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry to eavesdrop, but yeah. I want to be on your podcast too. Mm-hmm. And these kind of things happen for a reason. There's right. a reason to everything right. when you're open to these reasons then you're open to everything yep mm-hmm. and, and bless your heart thank you for coming in yeah. thank you for interjecting and and talking to me and introducing yourself that first day yeah. and i feel like we've already developed a friendship in the first few times we've met absolutely and, and, and who knows what we'll create together moving forward exactly yeah. and that's what this whole world is about folks um Stop relying on fear. Stop focusing mm-hmm. on the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, get out in, into the outside. Go meet people. You know, don't live in fear. Don't live in shame. Don't live behind a wall. Um, you know, don't bury yourself away from all this beauty yeah. because it's out there. Every every second of every day is mm-hmm. a moment to be captured, yeah. in my opinion. And it's in there. The beauty's inside, inside. even in the messy. it's beautiful mess yeah and that's okay so thanks for thank you for hosting this because i feel like the more conversations we can start having with each other that are true and authentic and unguarded um then the happier we all are going to be so thank you for having me and for creating this yeah that's the truth right there folks it's unreal to real thank you for tuning in nicola dellinger as always it's been a pleasure i bow to you gracefully thank you again thank you